questions. Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to The Pastor Study. We are in the middle of a series on the Lord's Prayer. And if you la missed the last few weeks, let me catch you up. Our. All the plurals of the Lord's Prayer, our Father, forgive us our trespasses, give us our bread. All the plurals of the Lord's Prayer means that every Christian is to be part of the church. The Lord's Prayer was designed to be said in public with a group of Christians. So if you are a Christian and you're not going to church, you need to find a church and go every Sunday. If you can't give God one hour a week, something's wrong. Our Father, that means God wants an intimate, close, loving daddy-child relationship with you. Our Father, who art in heaven. That means God is transcendent. We're not New Age pantheists. We don't believe everything is God. The trees are God, the rocks God, I'm God, Oprah's God, we're all God. No, we're not. Our Father is transcendent. He's separate from his creation. He art in heaven and we ain't him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means holy be your name. That means don't say, oh my God, oh Lord, don't take Jesus' name in vain. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's a plea for the second coming when Jesus will come down and end the world and raise the dead. It's also a present tense, thy kingdom come today. May you, Lord Jesus, be king over my life today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we're to today's show. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's all we'll do for this program. Let's pray. Father, as we talk now about food and forgiveness, we would pray that if there's anyone here who is lacking food, that they will cry out to you for that. Anyone here who needs forgiveness, that they will cry out to you for that. And Lord, teach us now how you provide both for us. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, the first thing I want you to do is notice the word daily. Jesus doesn't say, give us our bread for the next three years or the next three months. Give us this day our daily bread, which means the word daily is a call to trust God day by day. Matthew 6, Jesus said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Have you ever seen the bumper sticker, one day at a time? That's the way God wants us to live, every day trusting him for daily bread. I t I'll tell you a prayer that I have to force myself to pray now and then. It's good for me, but it's hard to pray because I'd kind of like to be rich. But this comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be in need and steal and profane the name of my God. I have to force myself to pray that periodically. Um, I mean, 
I mean, you probably saw the couple that just won the highest lottery in, in Minnesota history. Lots of money this couple just got. And I'm thinking, what would I do if I won gazillions of dollars? Would I stay in the Christian ministry and keep preaching the gospel? Or would I move to Hawaii and live in luxury the rest of my life? I hope I wouldn't move to Hawaii. But I'm a sinner, and there's part of me that would like to do that. So it's important to pray, God, um, give me this day my daily bread. Help me trust you every day. Maybe it's best I don't win the lottery. <laughs> it destroys a lot of people, you know. Uh, next thing to say about the word daily. The word daily is a plea for the simple life. In other words, Christians, we don't need what everybody else needs. Here's what Paul writes uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 6, the love of money is the root of all evils. Uh, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced their hearts with many pangs. But as for you, Timothy, man of God, shun all this. You know, I have a friend, Christian man, wealthy man. I think he's got his third BMW sitting in his garage. And I'm thinking, do you really need that? And I think give us a stay our daily bread means, Christians, let's live simple lives and let's send buckets of our money to missionaries. Years ago in England, there was a wealthy man by the name of Robert Arlington. People knew he was rich, but maybe he was eccentric because he just lived in this tiny two-room cottage. After he died, you know, people wondered, will they find gold buried under the floorboards? What are they going to find? They went into his house. They found a letter. Dear Mr. Arlington, we have heard you are ill. We are praying for you. But we want you to know how much we appreciate that for years you have sent your wealth here to us in the Belgian Congo so that we might preach the gospel. Because of you, many people have come to Christ. Signed, your missionaries. That's the way we should be living. Next word. Give us this day our daily bread. What does Jesus mean by the word bread in the Lord's Prayer? Maybe more than you think. Martin Luther, writing 500 years ago in the 1500s, said this, Give us this day our daily bread. What is meant by daily bread? Everything that belongs to the support of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, field, cattle, money, goods, a pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. All of that is contained in the little word bread. Now I want you to notice this though about daily bread. God gives daily bread to unbelievers too who don't even ask for it. We get this from Matthew 5. Jesus said, Your father causes his son to rain on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So unbelievers get their daily bread too. So if that's so, why should I even bother to pray for it? Good question. Martin Luther answers it again. Here we go. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God gives daily bread indeed without our prayers even to all the wicked. But we pray in this prayer that he would lead us to know it and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. That's the difference. We bother to say thank you for our daily bread. The world doesn't. Can we take just a minute here to, when we're talking about daily bread? You've heard me preach against it many times. Let me do it one more time. I need to preach against the prosperity gospel. 
Many of your TV preachers are into the health and wealth teaching that if you believe hard enough, you're not only going to get your daily bread, you're going to be wealthy. And if you believe hard enough, you're not going to have cancer. You're not going to have a lumbago. God is here to heal your every desire. He's make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Now, there's a little bit of truth in the prosperity gospel. For instance, and this is the norm. It says this in Psalm 37. I have been young and I have been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. And the norm is that when you trust the Lord and you pray for your daily bread, the norm is you get it. But are there ever exceptions? Are there even biblical exceptions of godly people who went hungry? There are. The Apostle Paul, and nothing was wrong with Paul's faith. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, four times if you count him in the New Testament, says, I went hungry, I went hungry, I went hungry, I went hungry. Sometimes there are exceptions. Uh, are there Christians who have starved to death in Africa? There are. And why does God sometimes allow us to go hungry and, 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 and be in want? Here's, I think, the answer. Sometimes God withholds literal bread from us to give us a taste of the eternal bread. Let me repeat that. Sometimes God does let us go hungry and maybe lose a job, etc., so we can get our eyes back on the eternal bread. And what is that? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So I do think it's possible for a Christian to starve to death in full faith. That's not the norm, but in some Islamic countries where Christians are being persecuted, they're losing their lives through starvation or other, or other means. Give us this day our daily bread. Next words. And forgive us our trespasses. Let's define the forgiveness of sins. First thing to say the forgiveness of sins is unconditional, meaning you can't earn it, you can't be good enough for it, you can't try real hard to get it, you can't beat your breast enough, say enough Hail Marys. There's nothing you can do to get the forgiveness of God. It's a free gift. It's not something you earn. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by God's grace you have been saved through faith. That is the gift of God, not because of your good works, lest any man should boast. So it's a free thing. The other thing we want to say about the forgiveness of sins, it's a full thing. God doesn't just forgive some of your sins. He forgives all of your sins. Ephesians 1, uh, 7 says, In Christ we have the forgiveness of sins, the redemption through his blood. So, I mean, uh, for instance, uh, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 31 says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Uh, Micah 7:19. God will have compassion on us. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I, I looked it up. You know the deepest part of the ocean? It's called Nero's Deep. It's near Guam in the South Pacific. It's 31,000 feet deep. In other words, if you threw Mount Everest, the highest mountain on the, on the planet, into Nero's Deep, it would cover... Everest by half a mile. God throws our sins into the depths of the sea. He forgets our sins. Hallelujah. When you come to Christ, he doesn't just forgive your little sins. If you had 10 abortions, if you killed people, if you come to Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. So the forgiveness of sins is total. Forgiveness of sins is unconditional. But one more thing to say, and this sounds a little contradictory, but it's true. <laughs> There is a sense in which forgiveness is conditional. Four things are needed for you to have the forgiveness of sins. Condition number one, forgiveness is only in Christ. 
Again, Ephesians 1, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Not in Buddha, not in Islam, in Christ. I'd ask you to pray for a dear loved one of mine who told me now that she's attending a very liberal congregational church. So I went to the website of this congregational church and it says, quote, we believe Jesus is our door to the divine, but other people of other religions who have other doors, their beliefs are just as valid as ours is. And I read that and I thought, so you don't need Jesus. Baal, you know what I would say to the pastor of that church? Okay to worship Baal, will he get you there? How about uh, Satan? Some people worship Satan. Is that a valid door? I mean, uh, the Bible teaches there's only one door and it's Jesus. Jesus himself said this. This is not coming from narrow-minded me. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, period. He didn't add, or Muhammad. So con the forgiveness of sins, one condition is it, it, you, you need to come to Christ to get your sins forgiven. A second condition of, of forgiveness is called confession. We get this from Proverbs 28. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Do you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with. And when I was a young, guilt-ridden Christian, I heard a marvelous sermon that I still remember. And the pastor said, every time you sin, you immediately do three things. Number one, you immediately confess it. God, I agree with you. That was a sin. Number two, you immediately put it under the blood. God, I believe Jesus paid for this sin by his blood, so I am forgiven. And he said, and number three, you immediately forget about it. God's forgiven you. You forgive yourself and you move on. Would you do that? To be forgiven, you need to come to Christ, but then you need to confess and put it under the blood and then forgive yourself too and move on. A third thing that's necessary for forgiveness is repentance. That means you turn from your sin. This comes from Ezekiel chapter 18 where we read, If the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed and observes my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he will not die. All of his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. In other words, it's not enough just to confess your sins. You need also to stop them, to repent, to turn from them. I had an older man in my church in Florida, and he lived most of his life in New Jersey. He had lots of mafia in his neighborhood, and he did not like his mafia neighbors because he said, you know, Tom, they go to church every Sunday, they confess their sins to the priest, and then they're murdering again during the week. <laughs> And, you know, he was right. It's not enough just to confess your sins. You then also need to repent, turn from your sins. One more thing is necessary for repentance, you, for, for forgiveness. You come to Christ for it. You confess your sins. You repent of them. And then number four, you have to forgive others. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your transgressions. You have to forgive people. When I hear a Christian say, I refuse to forgive that person, I'm thinking, do you want to go to hell? <laughs> I mean, here's a story years ago of a woman that gets bitten by a, a, a rabid dog and she gets hydrophobia and she's going to die and she's, she makes a list of people. 
And somebody says to her, well, what are you doing? Are you making a list of people to forgive before you die? And, she's, and the lady said, no, no, I'm making a list of people to bite. <laughs> On the other hand, when King Louis Twelfth of France became king in 1498, he made a list of his enemies, and he put a black cross next to the name of his enemies. They heard about this, and they fled Paris. Then they discovered he'd pardoned them all. And when they came back, they, they, but we heard about your book. He said, yes, I put a cross next to each name to remind myself, as God has forgiven me, he expects me to forgive you. How do you live your life? Do you have a list of people you expect to bite? Or do you put the cross next to it and say, God, you've commanded me because Jesus has forgiven me all my sins. I have to forgive this person. I mean, here's a teenage girl and uh, has a baby out of wedlock, and the, the girl's a real kind of a mess, and she hates her mother. And this girl goes to church. She says she's a Christian, goes to our, uh, the church I was serving, and she comes in one day, Pastor Brock, I hate my mother, and I want her to die and go to hell. And I said, okay, what's your mother done? And she told me her mother's sins. I said, yeah, you're right. Your mom deserves to go to hell, but so do you, and so do I. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but we don't do what she does. And I said, yeah, we do other stuff. And I said, are you willing to forgive your mother? And she said, no. I said, do you want to go to hell? Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive, he's not going to forgive you. I mean, I'm not saying this is easy, but Christian, we don't have, we don't have an option. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. I mean, I'll, I'll share this. Um, years ago, we took some junior high students to Bible camp. One night, the preacher preached on the necessity of forgiving others. We're leaving the, the lodge there, and this 13-year-old boy named Brian is just shaking. And he comes up to me, Tom, can I talk to you about something? And we went off and we sat down away from the others, and he's just saying, I will not forgive this man. And I said, what's going on? He said, a few years ago, my mom and my brother and I were watching TV, and her boyfriend busted down the front door, put a rifle into her next to her head, pulled the trigger and killed my mom, told my brother and I, I'm coming back and you're next. That man is in Stillwater prison right now. I refuse to forgive him. And I thought, whoa. Um, and you know what popped into my head? The parable Jesus told. Remember this story? Here's a, here's a servant who owes the king $1,000, but he pleads and the king forgives him. But then the same servant goes out and won't forgive his friend $5. And so when the king heard that, he put the, the first servant into jail till he could ever pay the last penny. And I, I told that story to Brian. I said, now, are you willing? You know, yes, this guy has done a horrible sin to you and your family. Are you, but God has forgiven all of our sins. Are you willing to forgive him his? And then and Brian said, no. <laughs> and then I, what popped into my head next was, I said, I understand, Brian. I don't know that I could either. That's why there is something called the Holy Spirit. And Brian, Brian, when you were baptized, God gave you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do what you can't do. And I said, would you be willing to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help you forgive this man? And he said, yes. And we prayed a prayer. And I pray this all the time. If somebody barks at me, I pray this prayer. Lord, not in my strength and power, because you know I can't do this, but because you've commanded me, and you always give us the power to do your commands. God, because you command me to forgive Mrs. So-and-so, I forgive her in Jesus' name. And he prayed that prayer after me, and he forgave the man. And a few nights later at the campfire, when 
kids were getting up giving their testimonies. He didn't go into detail, but I remember he got up and just said, I got set free from something this week. If you want to be forgiven, four things are necessary. Number one, you need to come to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can bring you forgiveness before the throne of God. Number two, you need to confess your sins, agree with him that you've sinned. Number three, you need to repent and turn from sin. Fight your sin. Not that you'll never sin again, but you're not living in it, and you're repenting, and you're turning, and you're getting help when you need to get help. And then number four, you have to forgive other people. I'm not saying that's easy, but that's why the Holy Spirit lives inside your heart, to give you the grace to forgive people that you can't forgive on your own. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, I'd like to start off by telling you thank you. This four weeks of studying, one prayer that is such a simple prayer that everybody learns and by rote you just end your prayers saying it. Mm -hmm. Taking it apart in the way that well, you did you. has really made it much more important and the importance is felt by thank, myself. Thank you, Jackie. So, going on to that, question for you. Do you think Christians should do boycotts? Is this really loving our neighbor when we do things like this? I would encourage everybody to go to, I think it's afa.org or just Google the American Family Association. You get a free magazine every week, every month. They'll tell you what sponsors are putting the most evil things on television and telling you write them and tell them you're not going to buy their product. And for instance, Sears, as in Sears and Robux, on their website started selling hardcore pornography. Sears. So AFA organized a boycott, and guess what? Sears has stopped doing their pornography. So I mean, I think as Christians we should do this. I mean, for instance, Jackie, when I discovered that General Mills, Target, and Cub Foods, which is where I grocery shop, they sponsored the Gay Pride Parade in downtown Minneapolis. I wrote all three CEOs. You can get there. Uh, I wrote, uh, for instance, I wrote the head of Cub, Keith Weich in Stillwater, the head of uh, Cub's headquarters, saying, you know, why are you giving money to that? Do you know how sleazy that parade gets? A lot of your customers don't think that's a healthy, moral lifestyle. It can take years off of your life. Why are you promoting that? And he wrote me back a letter saying, because we love diversity, we value diversity, and that's why we support this. I'm thinking, what? Well, you're not supporting me. Are you diverse enough to include me? <laughs> and you know, I said, I would hope you'd at least stay neutral in the culture wars. So, Jackie, I guess Aldi, here I come, or Rainbow, here I come. You know, I, I'm having trouble shopping at Cub these days. But, you know, if I would encourage people, write the head of Cub, write the head of Target like I did and, and the head of uh, General Mills, and show them that you, you care about these issues and please don't support these things. I think Christians should be doing more of that. I do, too. I, I agree with you on that 100%. If, if you don't support... Um, a business because of something they've done. You shouldn't be mm -hmm. giving them your money. Well, and, and do you remember, Jackie, when Target gave some money to Emmer for governor? And the homosexuals were all over that with, with protests and everything else because he supports uh, traditional marriage. Where are the Christians doing the opposite on the other side of the issues? Right. See, uh, what's, what's wrong is us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pastor Brock, does God cause disasters to punish people? It I seems like lately there's yeah, been so many lots things. Lots of natural disasters in the last five years. Yeah. 
Did God, when, when a few years ago when the hurricane hit New Orleans, some people said that New Orleans is Sin City. It is. Was that the Lord doing that? And my answer is, I'm just going to take this from uh, Amos chapter 3, verse 6. If a calamity comes against a city, has not the Lord done it? That's what it says. Now, you've got to balance that with uh, John 9, where the disciples say, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus said, nobody sinned. This is for the glory of God. And he healed the man. So I think here's the thing, Jackie. Sometimes when we're sick or when we get a disaster, that's the Lord saying hello. You know, you're sinning here. You need to come back to me. And uh, Jackie, when I'm sick, I wonder, Lord, is, did I do something wrong? Sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. Uh, no one sinned. This, this is for the glory of God. So, but, but here's what's tragic to me. Some uh, preachers in our mainline liberal denominations, God never does anything of disciplinary action of any type. I mean, he, he, of course AIDS is not the wrath of God. Of course tornadoes are not the wrath of God. Our loving God doesn't do stuff like that. And I'm thinking, have you read the Bible? Mm -hmm. Did you read about Noah and the flood and everybody got killed? Did you read about Sodom and Gomorrah getting fire from heaven? Did you read about all the plagues on Pharaoh? And it's not just Old Testament. Did you read in the book of Acts how, how people were declaring King Herod God and the angel of the Lord struck him and killed him and he was eaten by worms? That's New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira are struck by the Lord for lying to St. Peter about, about the money. So it's in the Old and New Testaments. God does sometimes spank. You know, I think that just came home to me, too, with 9-11 celebrating 10 years and that. On 9-11, when that disaster happened, you saw more Americans for the first time praying yeah. in for a long time. Indeed. And it kind of came back with it being 10 years ago and thinking, yeah. where are we going to be from this and point? I know. And, you know, there's only one time... I have looked at our liberal Star Tribune newspaper on the cover, and on the front page I saw people on their knees. That was 9-11. It lasted for about a couple months, yeah. and now we're back to normal. So. so, Pastor Brock, why are there so many different denominations? It, they say they all believe in the same Bible, so why don't they agree? Oh, well, I mean, a, we've only got a minute yeah, left. I, I'm going to give it. The quick answer is 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes, now I know in part, then heaven I shall understand fully. So on some of the minor things, Christians disagree how to baptize, when to baptize. But on the big stuff that we're saved by Christ and, and belief in the Trinity, we all agree on the big stuff. Okay. You know, Jackie, uh, we just have a minute, but I just want to kind of make a plea uh, to okay. our audience here. Everybody, this show is on till the end of December. We need to raise $150,000 to continue this ministry on radio and TV. We've gone to five more states. and. Uh, we ask you just to pray. We'd love to continue this ministry, but only the Lord knows if you'll see us after December 31st. So pray about it. If the Lord leads you to help, you go to pastorstudy.org. You can do it that way. Or just uh, write the Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue, North Minneapolis, 55430. So please do pray for us, and God be with you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, 
Minneapolis, Minnesota 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.